0: Well, I am always happy to be with you. I am grateful that you make accommodation for my schedule. I travel to the West Coast quite often because my sister is there, and my brother-in-law and all my nieces and nephews. So at least three or four times a year I am here. Secondly, we planted a church in LA eight years ago. And so I've got another reason to visit uh, the West Coast. As I was getting to know the pastors on the West Coast from our every nation world. And what was happening here in this congregation, Pastor Roland kind of popped up on my attention screen. And I said, listen, if I'm on the West Coast, I want to come see, I'll pop through. So this is one of those pop throughs. And it's really a pleasure to be with you. I love what you're doing here. I really love what you're doing here. You are a courageous people. You are a visionary people. You are a mission-minded people. You are a family of of, of, of small groups and connected folks that allow for people to experience something when they come into a congregation that they normally would not, not just a crowd, but a people who really care for one another. I am proud of what you are building here. I really, really am. And although I am the chaplain of the Washington Commanders, and if if you mess up the name, I mess up the name. I'm not mad at you. (laughs) We've been, we've been three different names in three years. So I forget who we are. I say it wrong all the time. Uh, but I, I, have, I have an affinity for your Raiders here. Derek um, <laughs> Carr is a friend of mine. And so he and I have had good fellowship together. I've met his wife and his children. And he's a really good man. I mean, you talk about a strong Christian. You got a great quarterback, not just a talented dude a man who puts Jesus first in every area of his life. So if there is a second team that I, I root for, it's you all. If you, if you, ever, if you ever play us, I don't. Um, turn with me over to the book of John. Book of John. And you all are beginning a series on the Holy Spirit today. And I'm not quite sure how many weeks it's going to go, but uh, I get to kick it off. And I love talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at John chapter 14, verse 16. Just one verse today, and we're going to try to pick it apart, put it back together in a way that makes sense for us. The title of the message is The Holy Spirit in Our Journey. The Holy Spirit in Our Journey. John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, Jesus is speaking now, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you. Forever. Lord, help us as we study your word. Give us insight, we pray, in Jesus' name. Jesus says, I'm going to do some things for you that you don't even know you need done. The disciples were not interested in anybody else trying to care for them or help them than Christ. And why would they? He was like the best There'd never been anybody like him before. there have been some powerful prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Obadiah, and Isaiah, powerful ministers of God, but nobody like Jesus. There'd, there'd been some great kings, David, Hezekiah, Asa, great rulers, but nobody like Jesus. And he had packed it all in one, that you were actually a king and a prophet. And did the priestly stuff. He was the one who understood the Father better than anybody who had ever existed. And so the disciples were thinking, man, we've given up everything to be with you. And you are our ticket. I mean, I was a good fisherman. But I'll be a better cabinet member when you come into office. I'm just looking for a place of administration that I can call home. As ruling, wherever you rule, that kingdom is supposed to never end and always have increase. That's where I'm looking to go. And I've got a bunch of kids. I've got family members. i got extended family that want to participate in it. They want to visit the White House. They want to be with me in this. We are following you. And Jesus says, well, it's better that I go. Oh. No. How can that be better? You're the best who has ever been. And we get to have you in our generation. How can it be good for you to say bye? That makes no sense. And he said, if I don't go, you won't have what you need to get done what needs to be done in the second dispensation of my people. The first was the people of Israel what God wanted to do with that nation, and prepare a people that could at least be obedient enough, not completely, not even close, but obedient enough to allow for the Messiah to be born through them so that generations can now benefit from the redemptive benefit that God wanted to bring to all of humanity, prior, current, and future. But now he was going to do something with a group of people called the church, the called out ones, the Ecclesia in Greek. And nobody knew anything about us. Nobody knew anything about us. And so when Jesus tells Peter, you got this thing right. I am the Christ, the son of the living God in Matthew chapter 16. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against this organization that I'm going to build based on the revelation that you just got that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. This church will conquer all in the earth. And he's thinking, I'm not in. I don't know what called out. I'm. Listen, you're the guy I'm, I'm attaching my wagon to. They don't get it. Jesus is being very clear, but they don't get it. And I don't blame them. I mean, sometimes my elevator doesn't go to the top floor. And definitely theirs did not. They had no clue what he was trying to do. That the Holy Spirit would be a gift to us that would accomplish everything we need for us. Everything we need for us. And Jesus wanted that. Now, I don't know what I'm about to say in in its fullness. There's something about the Godhead that could not have on the earth two persons here at the same time. I don't even understand. But Jesus said, I have to go that he might come. So there seems to be some need for, for, for the Godhead to be in the heavenlies, at least by way of two persons of the three in the Trinity, and that only one can be here. Don't know why, don't understand it. It's one of those questions that I, I, among many, that I will ponder when I get to heaven. And, 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 and believe me, everybody says they have something they want to talk to God about when you get there. May I say that whatever you've got that you think is important to talk to God about when you get there will fall way to the back of the, the bus. It, it will not be important to you when you get there because when you see the Lamb, who still possesses the marks in his hands and the marks in his feet and the marks in his side, it will remind you of what it cost you to get there and you will fall on your face and worship rather than try to inquire, what happened here? That will be the last thing on your brain. And when you finish worshiping what you just saw, you'll get back up and new revelation will come to you about who he is and forever you will find yourself getting up off your face. Church will never stop and you will never want it to. But if, I, if, I, if there was a time, how come both of y'all couldn't be here once? <laughs> how come? I don't know. Why couldn't you just stay? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you didn't need to die. I know you needed to die, Jesus. I get that. I, I couldn't be forgiven if you hadn't gone to the cross. But you did come back afterwards. And you stayed 40 days with the disciples. Why couldn't you just keep on staying? I don't know. I'm not saying, (laughs) in no way am I saying he did something wrong. It was all right. My brain just can't figure it out. But he had to go in order for the Holy Spirit to come. And since I can't figure it out, and I I haven't found a theologian who can, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to agree with your order. I'm going to agree that this is the best idea for us. I've got, I had some other ideas, but this is the best one, and I submit mine to yours. So I want to be the one who fully receives whatever benefit I'm supposed to have as a result of your leaving. That if I really wanted you, but I can't get you, and you say that having the Holy Spirit is even better for me than just having you here, Not better, better for me than just having you here. I want that. I want all that that means, every bit of it. I don't want one thing left out of the package that should be for Brett so that Brett can be everything he needs to to be and do everything he needs to do. You following me this morning? So in this conversation, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father. Boy, the Trinity is a concept that is kind of mind-blowing. We, we, we don't really get it. it. It is one God, three persons. Not three gods. One God, three persons. The plurality of God is, is something that has always been. This isn't a new concept that was introduced through the New Testament. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, when God talks about what he's going to do with respect to making man, he says this. This is what he says about man. Everything else God said, God said, God said, God said, and it happened. Then he said, let us make man in our image. For some reason, he then identifies himself in the plural. He hadn't done that prior until he gets to verse 26 in chapter 1. But right in the beginning, he says, let us make man in our image. And, and the us about whom he's speaking cannot be, can't be him and the angels. Because the angels have no part in creation. They are part of the creation. They didn't do anything to bring things about. So the us about whom he's speaking has to be the plurality that is him. Now we do see in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see God being identified as the one who is the creator, yet there is something else who is also involved, someone else who is also involved in the creation. And we do our best to try to explain the plurality of God by explaining us or things in the world that kind of seem like a Trinity concept. I am body, soul, and spirit. If either one of them fails, I fail. And yet, I'm one person, but three entities. It works, but it doesn't work. It's, it's, it, it helps us a little, but not all the way. Water, ice, steam. Mm, okay, I get it. Three different forms, one element, okay. But everything I just mentioned speaks more about modalism than it does about the true trinity and modalism is that which says things can actually appear in a certain way at a certain in a certain form whenever they want but it's not three distinct elements and Brett is not three distinct persons Brett is one person although I have three parts of me and it doesn't fully explain God because God is three distinct persons yet one God The modalistic tendencies that we see about water, ice, and steam is that it's the same element, but it doesn't exist at the same time, in the same form. You can't have ice and steam at the same time. It just doesn't work. Here we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at the same time, all the time, one God. And as a result, Jesus says, you all are going to be introduced to the third person of the Godhead unlike any generation has. And the beauty is, once he comes, he's not leaving. I leave. I'm going bye-bye. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. And the disciples couldn't get it. In Luke chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, the disciples there are at the last moment of Jesus' bodily representation on the planet. He gives them a few instructions, tells them what they need to do, where they need to go, and then it says he was taken up before them as their eyes watched. I don't even know what that looked like but that had to be cool I mean all the other times he just kind of appeared when the disciples were in the in the upper room afraid for the because of the Jews they just killed Jesus Jesus rose from the dead and they were had the doors locked Jesus popped in the room (laughs) this is why he had to say in John chapter 20 peace be still that means chill it's me Don't don't be afraid. It's okay. I know know it's strange. I know you saw me on the cross a few days ago, but it's me. It's okay. It's okay. Chill. Chill. Be cool. But here, (laughs) he just begins to levitate. And they're saying, that's cool. How far is he? Wait a minute. Where where are you going? (laughs) Well, man, you're really going up. And he went up until the clouds obscured his view, and then he was gone. And it says the disciples, not, this is what you can infer, the disciples just, they, they were looking up so long that the angels had to show up and say, why are you still staring? <laughs> <laughs> he said, he'll come back just as he went. So they, were, they, they couldn't figure it out. They had no clue. But that's how he left. But he said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will never leave. He stands forever. Wow. Confidence that we can have the presence of God with us every moment of every day. That there is never a time he's going to forsake us. As messed up as we are and as much as I, if I were him, would want to leave me. The things I think, the things I do, the things I say. I don't know how you can hang out with me. I don't know how you tolerate me. Because people who say the things I say and do the things I do and think the things I think that aren't me, I don't want to be with them. I'm trying to figure out, can I find some people who, who, who are more right than, than what that version is? I don't know why in the world you want to hang out with me. I'm a project. I got issues. I'm always having to say in the middle of the night during the day, Lord, have mercy on me. (laughs) Have mercy on me. Now, I'm not saying I live a life that is contrary to the word. I'm doing my best to try to make sure I'm compliant in every area. I'm I'm trying to be a really good Christian, not just a professional minister. I'm trying to love people right who are unlovable. I'm trying to be kind when they're mean to me. I'm trying to be, be everything God wants me to be in terms of a witness to others so that they can understand who Jesus is. I'm doing everything I know, but I'm still... Dealing with Adam. Adam, Adam just reminds me every once in a while, I'm still here. I realize I need to die more. I need to pick up my cross more. I've been in ministry for 40 years. Been born again right with God for 41. And I haven't found a time where I haven't needed to pick up my cross. You don't grow out of that. You don't mature into something whereby you don't need to die daily. So I look at this promise and I say, thank you, Lord. This gives me confidence that that if I do something really stupid, you're still going to hang with me? You're still going to endure with me? Thank you. Thank you, my God. Thank you. Jesus said I'm going to ask the father what that means is he is interceding for us and it's not just asking the father by way of request there needed to, to be some things done in order for the request to be made most properly namely Jesus had to die this intercession that he does for us is more than just talking it's living parents Every day of your life, even though you are working hard to make sure your children are as right as they can possibly be, every day of your life you are interceding for them by your actions. You're standing in the gap, You're trying to stop things that would happen to them if you were not there. Things that you know are in their way that might be dangerous, you try to warn them. You pay for things that they couldn't pay for. You inspire them with wisdom that they don't have. Every day of your life, you are interceding for their benefit, standing in the middle by way of being a bridge to get blessings to them or to stop things from trying to get them. And that's what Jesus was to us. He interceded in more ways than just talking to daddy. He died on a cross and took our sin. He made sure that we could be in right relationship with the Father. He showed us what it was like to live right. All those things and more allowed us the privilege to be as right as we could be positionally, not experientially. We still got a long way to go with that. But positionally, as right as we could be positionally, to receive what he wanted to give us. He then had to rise from the dead so that the power that came from his life that was lived so well could now be transferred to us, that we could have eternal life. Our mortality was now not going to be be inevitable. God created Adam immortal, meaning he had a date, A start, start date, but he was not supposed to have an end date. That's immortality. That's different than eternity. Because eternity, indeed, does not have an end date, but it doesn't have a beginning date. That's the thing that separates us from God. In terms of nature, and that he's the only one in the universe who is eternal. Everything else has been created. And man was to be created and not have an end date. Adam blew that. We've accentuated his mistake. So we all have this this understanding. You're born and you die. But Jesus came to give us life that was his. And the only life he could give was the life that he had. And that was eternal life. And so he gives us the kind of life that now extends beyond our physical death. And we have life forever. Forever. We are now restored to our original state of immortality. Doesn't mean our physical bodies are going to not go through death, but it does mean that our physical bodies are going to be restored at some level. I don't know. (laughs) I know the question that comes. I don't know. How can God take the atoms that are dispersed throughout all of creation for people that have been dead for the last 2,000 years, put them together, and make a human being again. I don't know. That's just what the Bible says. That the dead in Christ will rise first. We get our bodies back. And whatever it looks like to have a corporeal body, this thing, physical, flesh, that transcends the earth, allows us the privilege of being, mm, I'm getting into a lot of eschatology, but. We actually get to come back to earth because we are terrestrial. Heaven is kind of a holding spot. And God says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And because we are from earth, this new earth is going to be the place where we find ourselves inhabiting once again because God's plan hasn't changed from the beginning. He made, he made Edom and the earth for Adam and Eve. It got messed up by sin. It doesn't mean he's trashing the thing. It means he's remaking it for us. Again, what does that look like, Pastor Brett? I don't know. But I know it's special. And forever, without the taint of sin, with our physical bodies, with us, be with him. Oh, it's going to be so good. That's what the resurrection gave us. I have to skip over some points. Secondly, I'm running too long. Secondly, the Father, the Father... Distributes, He says, I'm going to ask him. So Jesus is interceding. He does request. He says, Father, go ahead and give them. The-. And, and the Father then is the one who distributes. In Acts chapter 1, he says to the disciples, wait until the Holy Spirit. That which was promised from the Father is given to you. Don't go any place. Do not leave Jerusalem until you get this. You've got to have this. And so they wait. The Holy Spirit is distributed by the Father. And it is amazing. Now, we have two distributions of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. One in John chapter 20. Jesus rises from the dead. The disciples were afraid, like I mentioned before. Doors are locked. They're afraid that the Jews are going to come get them and do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus pops in the room. Peace be still. And he says, as as I, as, as I said before, be... be Be the people now, he says he breathed on them, and receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, the disciples were born again. Why did Jesus do the, the action of breathing? I think it was metaphorical to remind everybody in that room of what God did in the beginning. Remember, I'm going to say it again, he doesn't have a new plan. He is doing what he started, and he's trying to get it all back to the beginning. Anybody remember what God did when he made Adam? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That was more than oxygen. That was his image. This is what makes man different from animals. We're made from the same stuff. I, I love biology. I read a lot. And when, when it, when it, in my study, uh, I'm a biology major, but that was 40-some-odd years ago. In my studies, they would try to, to prove that evolution was true by saying rats and us have 97% of the same DNA. I said, so? I'm not surprised at all. Oh, and we're 98% in line with the primates. So that proves somehow we came from them, that evolution went through this process. said, that didn't prove a thing. The Bible states that on day six, God made the animals and he made man. And all of us came from the dust of the earth. Why would you be surprised that we, we have the same kind of stuff? Because we're made from the same kind of stuff dirt. That's all the earth has to make from dirt. So they were made from dirt, we're made from dirt. Why wouldn't we have the same kind of physical DNA? The thing that separates us from them is that we're in the image of God. He breathed in him the ruach in Hebrew, the breath of life different. He didn't do that to the cows. He didn't do that to the dogs. He didn't do that to the birds. He didn't do that to anything else. Only to man. And so Jesus shows up on the day of the resurrection and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. What God created in the beginning, I'm now recreating. Same kind of imagery. That was the Holy Spirit being given to the disciples. Secondly, we have, and that, that's for the purpose of being in a relationship with God. That allows us to be called sons and daughters, to inherit things from him, to have a new nature on the inside of us so that we can actually be different in the earth, not just try to act different, but be different. And from our differentness of being, we now can do better. Then there was a second dispensation in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples for the purpose of being a witness. And he said, when you get this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. So that dispensation of the Holy Spirit, which came about 50 days later, that allows the disciples now to not just have a relationship with God, but help other people have a relationship with God and that they are now witnesses of who he is to them so that when they preach, it's just not good thoughts coming through their brain, out of their mouth. It's now God's words coming to people and it convicts them to the point where now they can repent and serve him, become sons and daughters. Power has come upon them to be his witnesses in the earth. That's how the Father distributes Oh, I love the Holy Spirit. Too often, people think of Him as a power, an it. Without being too convicted or mean, do not insult Him like that. Don't refer, If somebody ever referred to me as an it, Pastor Brett, it preached really well today. <laughs> what? What is wrong with you? (laughs) I'm not a dick. Don't insult the Holy Spirit. He is just as much God as the Father. Just as much God as Jesus. He, He, now He does have power. And because He is so, He He is He's trying to be so almost anonymous. He doesn't want to be recognized all time. He doesn't, he doesn't really want you to, to, to identify him as somebody that would do the things that the father or the son would do. So even though I, I talk to him, I, I don't let him replace my relationship with the father. And I don't, I don't let him replace my relationship with Jesus who's provided me redemptive benefit that the Holy Spirit didn't. And so he's, he's the ultimate servant, if you will, in the Godhead that wants to be behind the scenes and only give glory to the Father and glory to the Son. That's all he wants to do. And so I understand why humanity kind of thinks, well, aren't, they, aren't the other two more important? Because he's not, I mean, he doesn't even have a name. He did not have a name. I mean, the Father has many names in Scripture. The Son, we know. Jesus. The Holy Spirit. That's it. It's more of a title and a function than it is a name. And so I understand why humanity moves that direction of not really ascribing personality or person to the third person of the Trinity. But I beg you, let your maturity begin to upgrade a little so that you can. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty. And every day of your life, you need to embrace who he is to you. Because the Father distributed him to you like that. And lastly, we see that the Holy Spirit himself, he says, I will ask the Father, he will send you a helper. And that Holy Spirit, that helper, the word helper there is the word paraclete, which means somebody who is called alongside to support and strengthen that's all he does that's how you can make it from one day to another in his presence not having failed not having fallen apart the holy spirit provides strength and help for you especially during the times when you lack it but it says that he will be with you forever concentrated on this already, but I'm going to reiterate it. He's with us in relationship. He is the one that begins the born-again experience. We are regenerated, Peter says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Regenerated means restarted. That is just another term in the Greek for born-again. The power of the Holy Spirit allows us to now have new life. We would not have it without him. And secondly, he empowers us to live this, way in, live this life in such a way that everybody thinks that we're a lot like Jesus. Now, that's a miracle. Because very few people are ever confused with him. Most of the people in the church are defined by people outside the church as being hypocrites. They can't find anybody within the four walls of our ecclesiastical worship moment that looks anything like what Jesus looked. Doesn't sound like him. Doesn't doesn't, doesn't act like him. Are you kidding me? Those people? That's the way the world looks at the church. And my my hope is to change their opinion, not by trying to argue with them because it's hard for me to dispute what they know. There are a bunch of people out there who wear the label, got the title, and don't do the life. It's true. And there are a lot of things I could say in, in, in contrast to their opinion that would not be profitable, but they'd be right. Namely, at least the people within the four walls are trying. They're going to church. They're reading their Bible. Yeah, they're messed up. I get it. But at least they're trying. You ain't even trying. (laughs) You're not even pretending to try to be right. And you want to criticize people who are failing at trying when you don't even try? Now, again, right but unhelpful. But let's, let's take the sword out of their hands. Let's not give them anything to say negative about us. Let's let's emblazon indelibly on their conscience when they go to bed every night the idea that I've never seen anybody like her. I don't know anybody like him. I saw them respond to people that were treating them so poorly, and they said they wanted to pray for them. They rem- remembered them on their birthday. I, I wouldn't ever. They would be enemy number one. Swipe left hard. I'd never. But who are they? they? They're so kind. I don't know what it. Be that kind of person on a regular basis. that represents who Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit as he is now helping you be the witness of Christ. Because that's why he's with you forever. That's why he is with you forever. He will not ever leave you or forsake you. Don't ignore him. If today you have not given your heart to Christ and allowed the Holy Spirit to come and empower you to be a son and then empower you to be a witness, Empower you to be a daughter. Empower you to be a witness. It's a great day to do it. He is here to help you. He's here to apply all the benefits of the cross. The sacrifice of Christ's life for you. Where he took your sin. He died your death. He forgave you of everything you've ever done. And he asked the Father to do the same. That's big league, y'all. I know know you don't think it's a big deal, but Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. One of the seven last statements he made. He had already decided to forgive, meaning Jesus. The issue was not whether he was going to forgive all the people who were doing bad to him. That was a given. He'd already done that. But he knew the Father was really mad at the people that were hurting his son. He said, Daddy, I'm telling you, please, don't get them. Don't get them. I know you want to, but don't get them because they don't know what they're doing. Is that a little bit like an upgrade from how we think about people when they've done evil to us? We Christians who know that we probably should should always forgive, right? So when somebody hurts us, okay, I'm, 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 I'm I forgive you. We muster up all the faith we possibly can to make sure that we are compliant with Scripture. But in the back of our minds, there's this little space in our theological life that says, okay, I forgive you. But God, if you want to get them, I ain't mad at you. (laughs) I'm just saying, I know vengeance is yours, it's not mine. I'm just saying, if you want to get them, that's okay, but I let them go. (laughs) Now, we may never say that. But we evidence it by this action as I close. When something bad happens to people that have done bad to you, do you weep? Do you weep? Or do you say, hmm, sir is right. See, that's what happens when you mess with a child of God. <laughs> we almost rejoice in their fault which evidences that we never petition the father to forgive them, because the only way you can do that to petition the father to forgive them, the only way you can do that and then come to the place where you see them fall and have a, 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 a the right kind of attitude is if you have had compassion on them as jesus had compassion on you asking the father to not get them amazing what he did the holy spirit applies all of that to our lives all of that to our lives he helps us love the unlovable he helps us understand forgiveness he helps us know what next steps look like in terms of our purpose and destiny i beg you today is a great day to get right with god let's pray father in heaven i'm asking for your grace upon these dear people empower them to live right and to love right Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give your heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be. Raise your hand high. I wanna pray for you. Today's a great day to get right. Anybody? I see that hand, bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. I see that hand, bless you. You can put it down once it's up. All right, you who raised your hand, pray with me, say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I have lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Excuse me, if you prayed that prayer, come down front after the service and people want to help you. All we want to do is provide for you all the, the tools necessary for you to be successful with the decision you made today. Church, love you much. It's always a privilege to be able to talk to you. You're the best.